The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm Jonathan Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this month, um, the month of June 2018, we are watching uh, LBGTQ plus movies. Um, so far, we've watched, uh, oh, hold on, Milk, and we watched Brokeback Mountain. And this week, um, we watched My Own Private Idaho, which I'd never seen, and Corey, you have, correct? Yes. And owned on Criterion. Um, I ended up uh, not renting it, but buying it on Amazon Digital for six ninety nine. So is it not Criterion anymore? It still might be, but uh, maybe Digital has another option. I don't know, but it was available to buy for six ninety nine on Amazon with Movies Anywhere. Um, so I, I have it on all my platforms, so I was pretty happy with that. Um, I actually, uh, it's Father's Day weekend, and Target has some... Uh, movie is on sale and i just picked up um three billboards outside ebbing missouri How much uh, is that? uh 12 bucks blu-ray digital dvd what? um justice league which isn't good but i have to have it because i own the other one so i have to complete the collection that um that was 10 bucks and then uh also blu-ray dvd digital and uh war of the planet of the apes which i had been waiting to buy and it was only 10 bucks um and i saw they had shape of water for 12 bucks on blu-ray uh, Phantom Thread, 15. I mean, there's some really good deals right now. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, you'll have this on Father's Day, actually. You'll have this episode, so they should still be on sale. Um, I don't, you know, Target doesn't sponsor the show or anything, but I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you like to watch movies, and uh, if you're like me, finding them on sale is always a good thing. The <coughs> the biggest sale I saw was Dunkirk. The 4K Blu-ray uh, with digital was only 13 bucks. What? Mm-hmm. Holy heck. Yeah, and that that's a movie that uh, is worth getting on 4K, um, even if you don't have a 4K player yet. Uh, it does come with a reg- it's 4K, a regular Blu-ray, and digital, I think, for 13. Um, so definitely worth that. Um, and if you have an Xbox One S or One X, those are both 4K Blu-ray. Even if you don't have a TV for it, they will play the the player. So just a heads up on that one. Um, but uh, before we get into our review of my own private Idaho. Uh, we're going to talk about what we've been watching and anything else that we might want to talk about. Um, and how you been, Corey? Ooh. It's been a week, but it's over and I have weekend now. And my meme is visiting from Florida. Oh. So that's exciting. And yeah. Yeah, I've had a, a tough week. Um, I started my Monday, I guess technically it was Sunday night, um, late, like 1130 I got a message on Instagram from my cousin, um, found out that my grandmother was, uh, had been sick in the hospital, um, for the whole week and no one had reached out to me, but at the, at the same time, my, the people that I still talk to in my family, um, had been out of town. So they also didn't know until the day that I found out. Oh. Um, so it was just bad timing. Um, and, uh, so Monday I, my, I was going to go see her in the hospital when my wife got off work. Um, before we could make it to the hospital, they moved her to hospice. And uh, so I saw her Monday night. And then um, Tuesday, another family member flew in. Um, and uh, my grandma passed away um, Tuesday evening. And 
uh, yeah, it was, it's definitely never a, a good experience, but, um, you know, on the, on some bright side, she was, she's 80 years old, so she lived a good life. Um, I mean, I, I think we always would like a little longer, but 80 is definitely a, a good chunk of time, um, more than some people are able to get. Uh, and at this point she was extremely sick and, um, on, on a very positive way of looking at it, she didn't suffer for too long. Um, which is, you know, you never know for sure, but, uh, she was definitely, when she, they brought her to hospice, she was not really responsive and stuff. So, um, you know, my, oh yeah, no, it's, it's not, a, I don't want to say it's okay, but, um, it, it definitely was, a, it was a bit of a shock at the same time, something I've been kind of preparing for, um, just knowing that she was getting up there in, in years and that she had a tendency to keep stuff to herself. So I, I, I kind of wonder how long she's been as sick as she was and just didn't tell us. Um, just cause the, apparently the, ca- the cancer had spread severely. Um, and she was not being treated for cancer or anything. So, but she went to the doctor regularly for other stuff. That's why we're kind of like, nobody caught that. Like as much as you go to the doctor, like, but n- nevertheless, um, this week I still managed to see quite a few films. Uh, I don't know about you. Have you, um, seen any movies this week, Corey? Um, I had a couple rewatches cause I just, man, let me tell you when I love a movie so much and then I'm kind of afraid to watch it again cause I'm afraid that it won't live up to that. But guys, Hunt for the Wilder People oh, <laughs> was yeah. even better, even better cause I saw Deadpool 2 and of course Julian and I'm forgetting his last name is Dennison. Julian Dennison. Dennison. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So I was like, oh my God, I have to rewatch hunt for the wilder people so i did and it was even better <coughs> even better and i rewatched big sick um so oh. deadpool uh too and then um i saw a horrible movie <laughs> a horrible movie and you saw it and you didn't hate it as much as i do i don't even know if you hated it but i freaking hated hotel artemis oh <laughs> yes the worst movie date <laughs> friend friend of the show um brendan hated it as well um, I I was, oh. I I was fine with it. Um, I didn't love it, but I, I thought, like, good. Jodie Foster, what yeah. you doing? See, I liked Jodie Foster in this. I thought she was doing this really weird character. Um, I I liked uh man, I'm not gonna remember the lead guy's name, but I liked him a lot too. Um, yeah, but Brendan texted me, uh, Sterling K. Brown, um, and Sophia Batella is always awesome. Um. Yeah, I just thought it was just like a crazy fun movie. I didn't think it was um, oh, crazy fun's not fair. Crazy comma fun movie, like it was crazy. Not not anything too amazing. There's not a whole lot of action. Um, I was intrigued by the world. There's definitely a lot of like excess story going on, but I, I don't know. I didn't hate it, but you you hated it, um, and I can see that. Uh, but and the music sounded like and i didn't have any time to do any like whatever but it reminded me of the music a lot from stranger things hmm i didn't notice that but i don't i don't always notice uh movie music if i'm just kind of wrapped up in story or whatever so Mm -hmm. it didn't it didn't glaringly stand out to me at least but um okay i've watched uh, uh is that all I mean, that's yeah, actually a lot. I, I don't mean to downplay. Um, I'm forgetting some, but I, you know, I can't remember. Because we didn't talk about it on Top 5 either. 
No, we didn't. And you rewatched The Big Sick? Because we kind of just skated past that. Yeah. It, did that hold up, too? Yeah. I I just... I So the first time that I watched it, I really... I loved it a lot. And I loved it a lot this time. I had to break it up over two nights. I forgot that it's, like, two hours long. Mm. Um, but I, I really love, like, Ray Romano in it. And I'm not always a fan of his... Yeah, no, Mostly I agree. Mostly just from Everybody Loves Ray, My Family Loves That Movie, that show, and I just don't understand at all. Me either. Um, I, I don't like it either. No, and then Holly Hunter, like, we grew up on her in movies. I can't remember of any, like, right now, but um, I just love everybody in the movie so much. And, the, you know, there are parts that I still just loved as much. And I don't know if I told you, like, for our um, final paper for my socio whatever it was communications class we used the clip from a couple of the clips from big sick to like drive home like you know uh how your i'm so bad at talking (laughs) um how your culture defines or impacts your you know the type of relationships that you have like romantic relationships um or also like your the expectations that your culture puts on you and mm-hmm. how that kind of so just no, like doing all that research and stuff and then watching it again really like drove some of that stuff home but i just love it a lot and it's on uh amazon prime guys so amazon has so many good movies right now like i mean ladybird um i'm gonna like forget everything uh the 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 making of the room disaster artist um just they have the witch I rewatched yeah. that kind of recently, I, and I, I rewatched it tonight. I probably need to rewatch The Witch because I I might have been too harsh on it the first time, but um, I've watched quite a few things, uh, starting with uh, Denis Villeneuve's uh, film Enemy um, with Jake Gyllenhaal, which I really liked a lot. Um, definitely one that makes you think, and it's it's definitely a little bit aware of the fact that it's making you think, but uh, the cinematography's outstanding. Um, I watched El Mariachi, Robert Rodriguez's film that he did, um, the Rebel Without a Crew book, and then that inspired the TV series that's on the Go90 Network, which I'd like to give a shout out real quick to our friend of the, the podcast, Alejandro, um, they, and Jamie, actually, they, uh, they're in New York right now, they showed, uh, Monday at the Soho Film Festival, and as of their Instagram post, uh, they sold out the 5.30 screening today, and they're I getting... Can't. And they're getting a second screening now at the festival because they did so well today. So uh, congratulations, guys. Kick butt. And if you are in New York um, and the screening hasn't happened yet because they, ha- they don't know when the second screening is going to be yet, um, if check uh, check Alejandro um, Montoya Marin on Instagram or uh, Monday Film on Instagram, and I'm sure they'll post the uh, time there. And if it's, if it's not too late and you're in New York, check out Monday. It's, it's a really good movie. It's amazing when you watch the uh, the TV series and see everything that went into making it because it is insane the quality of a film it is for $7,000 and 14 days. Um, I can't even stress how insane that is that it's a feature film under that criteria, but um, I'd never seen El Mariachi. I thought I had. I'd only seen Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico City, which are part two and part three of the trilogy, um, but El Mariachi is pretty amazing when you know especially knowing what rodriguez did with it but it's it's a really good movie um that made me want to watch desperado again because i hadn't seen that in years and i really love desperado like i had a blast watching that movie and i'm not always a big action movie guy um the stories are always a little over the top for me but in desperado is 
totally over the top, but there's some moments in the film that are just awesome. And Banderas is so cool in this movie. Like there's my favorite part is when um, he's hiding in the bookstore from the bad guy and he's trying to reload his gun quietly and it keeps cross-cutting back and forth between the conversation with Selma Hayek and the bad guy and then Vanderas trying to quietly put a clip in the gun, cock the gun and his his mannerisms are so awesome to me. They, it's just like, wow, you are so cool. Like, because there's a part where he makes a little noise and he just like makes this head gesture where he says no, like shh. And it's just so cool, and it makes me feel like such a loser, I guess, because I'm like, how can you be so cool doing what you're doing right now? Because you're not doing anything, but you're awesome. And I, I don't know what it is. Just the way Rodriguez shoots it, it's amazing. But I watched both of those, El Mariachi, Desperado. Um, then I saw Hotel Artemis, which I thought was fine. Um, not great. I didn't think it was bad. There was some fun stuff in it, though. I thought Batista was actually pretty fun. Like, he was hamming it up. And I've become a big fan of Dave Batista as a an actor, which is very rare for uh, wrestlers to pull that off. I mean, it's hard to say that with both John Cena and The Rock getting tons and tons of movies, but that was rare too. Like when you think back, like if you've ever seen Hulk Hogan's movies, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like Hulk Hogan's movies are awful. Um, like almost all of them are just absolutely at- atrocious. Um, and so until uh, The Rock became like a legitimate action star wrestlers kind of had a bad rap of doing just like b-movies um and so batista becoming what he's become is pretty impressive to me um i got to see first reformed uh, i took my aunt back to the the tampa airport um and i swung into the the theater there because they were playing first reform that's the ethan hawk uh starring film it is it is a really awesome film but it's very tough um, I, I didn't love the ending, although I've listened to an interpretation of the ending that I like a little more than the way I took it. And so I, I want to kind of want to reevaluate my my opinion of it. But it's definitely a, a really strong film with some awesome cinematography um, and an amazing performance from Ethan Hawke. Just he and it's his movie for sure. Um, last night, my daughter and I went and saw Incredibles 2. Um, if you're a fan of Incredibles, you are probably going to be pretty happy with Incredibles 2. I am a fan, and I, I like the movie a whole lot. Um, this morning, I watched My Own Private Idaho for our podcast, but then, as soon as it ended, basically, I got in my truck and ran up to the mall and watched Tag, uh, the new film oh. with um, Jeremy oh, Renner, John Hamm, um, Hannibal Burris, Jake Johnson, I think, and then uh, Ed, he- Ed Helms, and um, Isla Fisher, I think, Isla Fisher, something Isla. like that. And uh, I gotta say, I, I was not super into it um i didn't laugh hardly at all uh they do this they do like a sherlock holmes um robert downey jr uh guy well not guy pierce what's his name oh i'm not gonna think of the director's name um oh it's like right on the tip of my tongue uh his style of like action where like it goes slow-mo and he you hear him kind of mapping out like what he's gonna do they kind of do that with jeremy renner in tag and it's kind of cool and there's a few moments where I, I laughed a little, but I thought a lot of the jokes fell flat for me. Um, John Hamm is super charming, and I just I think I could watch him in anything. Um, he's he's my favorite element of Tag for sure. I just I don't know what it is about John Hamm, but for me, like if he's talking on screen, there's just so much charm coming out of that guy. I I'm I'm in I'm on board. Um, I I actually am really wanting to watch Mad Men finally because I like John Hamm so much. Now, oh, it's so, so good. <coughs> but. 
Um, that is what I've been watching, but I've also been playing a video game, like, pretty excessively, uh, called State of Decay 2. Um, it is, uh, on Xbox and PC, I think, and I think it is cross-platform, if I understand correctly. I'm playing it on Xbox. Um, it is a zombie survival game that has, like, a base-building element to it, or, like, you have your base, and you build, uh, people, like, you, you gather survivors, and that you can take any one of them at any time and use them as your character but if one of them dies they're dead forever um and uh there's all sorts of zombies and like you're you're using resources to maintain your base and uh you have to keep people happy it's 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 really fun it's very uh stressful at times because like the game will just finally i think gets tired of you succeeding and they'll just throw like everything at you but it's been a blast um and it is multiplayer uh where you can like uh, have friends to get on and help, like take. They can bring one of their players from their community and help you go get stuff and whatnot. So I just uh, I don't know. I don't usually talk about video games too much on here, but it's one that I'm a big fan of. And if you've been kind of eyeballing it, um, I recommend it, if, especially if you are a fan of like survival zombie games, because it is definitely uh, pushes the envelope. I think in that realm. So. Um, that's what we've been watching. We're going to be talking about uh, My Own Private Idaho, but while Corey, um, I guess, how'd you come across the article that you sent me, Corey? Not the Chloe Dexter one, but the other one. I don't remember how I came across it. Um, and hold on. Well, it about is about the tropes. Yeah, about the tropes, because it, it's it's Pride Month this month, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, that's. Go ahead. Um, I don't remember how I came across it. I think okay. that I was looking up articles about, um, like, gay characters or something, and then I found, like, gay tropes that need to stop, and it's actually Barry, your gaze. Barry, your gaze is a, is a film trope, and unfortunately, the movies that we've picked, at least the first two that we picked, um, Brokeback Mountain and Milk, uh, use this trope. And I guess to be fair to Milk, though, Milk is based on a true story. It's a true story. So um, it doesn't mean it's not s- separate from the trope, but it's not using the trope for the sake of it being a trope. It is, it's adhering to the, uh, the reality of the film. But um, you want to explain what the trope is? Uh, um, no. <laughs> um, pretty much that a gay character has to die. Um, yeah. I don't know how to... In, in a film... Um, a, a gay character is going to die uh, maybe for the cause uh, maybe as a result of his homosexual dealings um, or as I, I wouldn't want to say a martyr but like uh, a, a victim of a hate crime I think is is a, um, appropriate so you you have a gay character in a film but they are going to not make it to the end um, and that has become a trope now tropes aren't oh. always wrong mind you but you know uh, it's that it definitely has a negative connotation that people are dying. Mm-hmm. What, I remember uh, AV Club, which is one of my favorite like, ah. publications, um, like posted that article of twenty uh, LGBTQ romances that don't end in tragedy, and I don't know where I got. You got know. it. Well, let's look at my own private Idaho. Um, it's from nineteen ninety one. Um, it is directed and written by Gus Van Sant. Sant, oops, my bad. Um, and I, I didn't notice this last week when we were looking at the stats, but um, I did notice in the film um, about 
I don't know, 30 minutes in that it started feeling very Shakespearean. And uh, sure enough, on the writing credit for IMDb, it says uh, William Shakespeare for uh, Henry IV, which is where he pulls actual scenes and recreates the scenes, uh, and kind of integrates them into this movie. Um, it was very, I had actually, I've not read Henry IV or seen a version of it, um, but I am very familiar with Shakespearean style dialogue, and uh, it became very apparent uh, pretty quickly to me. I was like, um, why does this feel like I'm w watching a Shakespeare play? And sure enough, uh, after a couple of Google searches, I found several inf uh, bits of information about it. But um, the stars River Phoenix, Keanu Reeves, um, James Russo, William Richard, uh, who plays Bob. And that's kind of it. Everyone else kind of comes and goes. Flea uh, is <laughs> way over the top in this movie, but he's playing one of those Shakespearean characters. So that's kind of why. Um, and I definitely uh, didn't like the premise of this movie. I'm about to read two best friends living on the streets of Portland as hustlers embark on a journey of self-discovery and find their relationship stumbling along the way. Um, I feel like it's such an understatement of what this movie is. Uh, <laughs> there's, uh, it's a lot, a lot more complex than that. Cause I wouldn't have called them hustlers. Um, I guess they, they hustle a little bit, but they're, they're definitely survivors, I guess you could say, but they, uh, they prostitute, um, and whatnot. So didn't know that was uh, going to be, you know, it, almost your introduction to River Phoenix too, um, is him uh, yes. turning a trick, I guess. So having um, a date, having a date, which is a phrasing <laughs> that I'd not heard before, um, or at least I can't recall hearing it that way. But I've heard it, but I don't know. I don't um, know. It was just funny. And this is the first River Phoenix movie that I'm aware that I've seen. Um, nope. You've seen Stand By Me, I know it. True, but as a kid. I've not watched Stand yeah. By Me as an adult, and I've been meaning to, actually, because I want to revisit it. But um, it's it's been a long time. I think I saw it in the theater as a kid, and that's, I think, the last time I saw it. Um, I did see Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, actually, and River Phoenix plays young Indy, apparently. But I, 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 I saw that a long, long time ago. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw Sneakers in the theater when I was a kid. Uh, but I don't really remember it. Um, and that looks like it. Uh, oh, man. So I I bought this movie because it has River Phoenix in it. Mm -hmm. um, and I bought it a long time ago. But um, it just happened to come in our store used. And, you know, um, I so I've watched the thing called Love where they are in Nashville I'm forgetting the actress that's in it, but they're all musicians that are trying to make it as country singers in Nashville. Um, he's kind of a jerk. And Dogfight with Lily Taylor, I watched probably within the last year or so. It was on Netflix. Um, apparently, <laughs> uh, people in the service, men in the service like to have dogfights where they um, each try to outdo each other and take home the ugliest woman. Oh. Or Lily Taylor. And then I've started watching Running on Empty, but I never finished it. I think that has Susan Sarandon in it. Hmm. But um, I, Dogfight was good. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm definitely not really familiar with him as an actor. Um, and so, but obviously I'm a very familiar Keanu Reeves fan. I've seen a lot of his films. Um which I will admit to the second I realized there was Shakespeare in this, I got very, very nervous. 
Um, <laughs> You're like having d- horrible flashbacks to Bram yeah, I'm like Stoker. Inferno. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love that movie. I don't even uh, care. I know so many people do. Um, I tell you, I feel like uncultured swine because <laughs> I have never, ever read any William Shakespeare, but I feel like oh. I just wouldn't be able to absorb it. Well, I I taught Romeo and Juliet um, for several years when I taught English one um, at our high school, and uh, I read Hamlet when I was in school. It's been a long time since I read Hamlet though, um, and I read uh, Julius Caesar in high school as well. Um, I think it's Julius Caesar. Maybe it's just Caesar, but I, I read that, and I think that's it. And then I've read several of his sonnets and stuff throughout the years of teaching. Um, I'm pretty sure that's it. And then I've seen some of the movies inspired by his stuff. Actually, I might have read part of A Midsummer Night's Dream. I definitely have seen a movie version of A Midsummer Night's Dream a long time ago. And uh, I've, I've seen, what is it, Ten Things I Hate About You is based off of Taming of the Shrew, I think. Um, and there's like two other movies that are in the similar thing that I've seen. Um, this one I had no clue, though, even though, again, it's on the IMDb thing. I didn't read the, that extra credit. I only read Gus Van Sant, so I didn't... Um, didn't realize it going into it today. Uh, and there's actually some really cool visuals in this movie um, that I, I want to talk about for sure. I, I hated, though, the title cards. Um, the title cards... They're ugly. They use these primary colors, and they're just... It comes out of nowhere, and it's just like... It'll be like a red with white text or a green with white text. And it looks so cheap and and art... I, I definitely think it's intentional, um, the film is very indie. It's definitely got a, a more of an art house vibe than some of his other stuff. The story is a little more kind of free flow and loose um, at times. Again, then he borrows from heavily. He borrows from Henry the Fourth, but um, Keanu Reeves's character would have been the lead in Henry the Fourth, and he's not the lead in this movie. So the borrowing of Henry the Fourth is almost like a subplot uh, to the overall story, which is about River Phoenix's character, um, Mike. And his story kind of isn't a story either. You know, like, I don't feel like he really... He has a goal that isn't clear at first, but becomes clear as the movie goes. But I don't feel like there's any closure on that particular goal, which I won't say until we get to spoilers. But, um... And I don't feel like he really arcs. Um, making him feel less like the main character and more like a side character, but he is definitely where the where the film focuses. Um, we're very rarely away from him, I, and I'm not sure we're ever a hundred percent away from him. He's always close by. If we're just with uh, what is it, Scotty is uh, Keanu's character. Um, but I, I overall, I definitely, I'm more positive on this film than I'm negative. But there were there there are things that. I like in films that were definitely missing and strong story is one of them. I don't feel like the story is. I just think it's sad. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't think that's what they're going for either. I do think they're going more for character and I do think the characters are interesting. Um, not entirely empathetic, uh, or sympathetic, but yeah, I don't feel like there's anything like bad um and there's definitely some really cool stuff in this movie that uh, i will talk i feel like all of it's kind of spoiler ish but like um there there's two times they use when they have a sex scene they do like 
stop motion or not stop motion but like still life so weird yeah it's it, that's why i think it's great though is because it is so weird um because it's not it's not a picture the actors are actually not moving they're in like freeze frame but they're you, it's clear that they're trying not to move because they're like shaking and so it's such a unique way of showing a sex scene because it'll jump huge jump cuts from like them in one position to a different position to a different position and it's just them standing there frozen as if it's a still life picture but it's not and i found that really interesting um i don't think i've ever seen that before um at least not in a sex scene and it was and it's not a graphic like i mean it's implied graphic but i don't even think there's any nudity in that sequence maybe a butt um but but uh nothing over the top and i thought that was really cool visually um and there was one other thing that I thought was really cool visually, but I don't remember what it was. I'm looking at my notes now, but um, Corey, you've seen it before, but what are your uh, thoughts on My Own Private Idaho? Um, I totally agree. There's like no closure, mm. really. Um, and also agree... I don't know. I thought that the sex scenes were very uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I don't mm-hmm. know. There's just something about them that was off-putting. Um, I think because you have to stare at it. And, I mean, they're doing weird stuff. Like, the, the there's one the scene. window <laughs> against the wall, I think. Yeah. I mean, well, and, the, like, the one scene where it's the three guys, like, they have, like, weird toys, like. Oh, yeah. Um, like, I don't even think they're toys. I think they're, like, weight loss tools. Like, I think they're, like. The thing where they pinch you to see how much fat you have, you know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah. I, that's what they look like to me, like like measuring devices, and they're using them as <laughs> toys. Um, but accessible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think the other thing I guess that I really liked was the Shakespearean elements of it. I thought that was some interesting stuff. Because um, I don't see anything like visually. I thought there was one other visual thing they did. I I mentioned the title cards. I can't stand those. Um. Okay. Um. I so overall, I I'm positive on the movie. It's definitely. I don't think it's one everyone will enjoy. Um, I don't know that it has. Like there are some elements of the the homosexual relationship that I think are positive, but overall, I don't know that this is a progressive film um you know like towards like homosexuality yeah um i thought um so i was reading the wikipedia which we all know is a trusted source but anyways it's one of my favorites and apparently let's just go to spoilers oh wait no now i feel like you set up something what what happened i did but i can't really talk about it without spoilers so i apologize okay well Corey is also positive on the movie yeah I would probably watch this again. Um, I want to see more of River Phoenix's films. He doesn't have a huge catalog, unfortunately, because of... Yeah, because he was 23 when he passed away. And it was drug-related, was it not? Yeah. That's a shame. That's why I have At always At the Viper Room. Um, oh, one last thing, too. I guess the movie opens with narcolepsy uh, as a definition, and... I am very familiar with narcolepsy. I don't know why. Um, it has been in a lot of films that I've seen. And maybe in 1991, it hadn't been as prominent. Um, but I, I also thought it was kind of lame to have, like, a dictionary definition. 
Well, I I have never cuz he kind of looks like he's going to have a seizure. It does. Yeah. And I never have heard of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. With narcolepsy, I just thought that they, you know, you better be somewhere comfortable because you're going to fall over, you know, and fall asleep. But he looks like he's seizing. Yeah, he's he's shaking. Um, Yeah, and I don't know if that's just not knowing what it is as, like, maybe Van Sant didn't get it. Maybe Phoenix didn't understand what he was wanting him to do or they couldn't communicate. Or maybe I've misunderstood what narcolepsy is. Same, but if... I probably would have just thought he was having a seizure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. So, uh, Corey is ready to go into spoilers. So, Corey. Dun, dun, dun. Um, we're going to talk about this movie in great detail, probably. If you don't want to have any spoilers, go watch the movie and then come back. You've been warned. Before we get uh, back into what you were about to say, I do have to say, for a movie that's called My Own Private Idaho... I was surprised at the very limited amount of time we spent in Idaho. <laughs> it's not even in Idaho. <laughs> there is uh, one moment in Idaho. There is yeah. in the movie, but that yes. was definitely... I was like, oh. I, have, I haven't been all over Idaho, but I've been... I stay away from the north because apparently there's a... You know, it's pretty uh, backwater back there, up there, well, but... Uh, yeah, most of Friends is filmed in California, though, so, I mean, you know, that's yeah, not uncommon. But- like that highway scene that we see over and over and over again, I mm-hmm. forget what it's called here—a royal desert or something. So it's very dry, but it's actually pretty green. So as many places as I've and I've been in some shady, creepy. This is how horror movies start, like population eighty-two towns, and on some highways, and it's never been that brown. You know mm, what I mean? Got it. I was just like, and I mean, we have some pretty majestic mountains, but I don't know. Well, and I was reading, I think it was pretty much, um, uh, re- sorry, uh, filmed in Oregon. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's it starts in Seattle. Well, it starts in Idaho, but it doesn't tell us that. That it moves to Seattle, uh, moves to Portland, goes to Idaho, then goes to Italy, I think. and Or wait, does it go back to Portland, then Italy? Um, and then back to Portland, and then back to Idaho. Like, it, it moves around quite a bit. Uh, not every single time does it go with a title card, but mo- most of the time it does. Um, but what were you saying before we got into spoilers? So apparently the um, the part of the campfire where they're talking about love and Keanu, uh, mm-hmm. Scotty's like, I can't, I could never love a man. I think oh. he says he can sleep with them or something. Um, and then uh, Mike is like, I don't have to have money to love a man. I love you and you don't pay me. And apparently when it was like written, it was am it wasn't like clear that Mike's character is really gay. Mm, uh-huh. And uh I guess that he rewrote it River Phoenix did. And he took it from like a 3-page scene to like an 8-page scene or something. Oh wow. I don't know. But that was from Wikipedia. But um and I was just reading through, like, some of the stuff that apparently he was supposed to be in an interview with a vampire, uh, oh. Christian Slater's role, and he, apparently he was being cast to play Cleave in Milk. Oh. Because Gus Van Sant had been wanting to work on that in, like, the 90s, and then he, like, dropped the project. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I could nuts. see that, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so, uh, to go back to that scene, because that's actually... 
two things uh, happens now because one, I remembered what the other visual was. Um, it was the magazine sequence where the covers of the magazines all come yeah. to life. Um, all, yep. I really like that sequence, which I've seen things like that before, but I particularly like the way he did it because there's a telling line in that where Keanu Reeves says, um, what happens when you give it away for free? You grow wings. And then he elaborates and says, you become a fairy implying that he's not gay, but he'll, he'll have gay sex for money and you're not gay until you do it for free. That was the, the statement that he's making there. Um, and he says it to Mike, who's on another cover of a magazine. And, um, he says, you know, what, what do you call, what happens when you give it away for free? And he's like, you grow wings. That's right. You become a fairy. And, um, that sets the tone there. And then the conversation at the campfire elaborates on that. And he says, you know, two men can't love each other. And Mike counters it. And I thought that was the only scene in the film that's really dealing with that idea of homosexuality because if you're listening to to scotty the guys that are having sex with other men for money aren't gay they're they're performing a service it's a job it doesn't mean it doesn't imply your sexual orientation um according to scotty now is that scotty's way of dealing with his repressed homosexuality that's definitely debatable although um he meets a girl in the movie and falls in love while they're in italy and I think we see her with him yeah. after he's inherited. So he stays with her again. Is that because he's doing what he's supposed to do now? That's what society expects, um, which you definitely get that implication. Maybe he's bisexual. Maybe. Maybe he is bisexual. Or, again, he says he's living this degenerate lifestyle. And when it's time, when he's 21 and he gets his inheritance, he's going to become this expected individual he'll become the person his dad wants him to be and that that all is from henry the fourth my understanding is uh his character is the prince who is going to become the next king will be henry the fifth and uh he is living a rebellious degenerate lifestyle um living amongst thieves and things like that and i don't think necessarily he's a uh prostitute who will sleep with you know a hustler a, a dater um i guess uh because, again, even there, when we first meet Scotty, he's not having sex with a man. He's having sex with a woman. He's been hired with two Chris other guys. Uh, oh, is that a person? Yes. She oh. always plays a crazy mother, though. She's the crazy mom in Twin Peaks, and she's the crazy mom in Big Love, and I'm forgetting <laughs> what else she's been in. Hmm. But it was so weird, like, because I forgot she was in that. She's so young-looking. Well, yeah, and um, that's the first time we see uh, River Phoenix, or, well, Mike, pass out um, because of stress, apparently. And then we Scott, Scotty leaves him on the side of the road. Uh, well, not side of the road, like, hidden in, a, in someone's yard, basically. In a nice neighborhood, though. In a, in a nice neighborhood, which he explains, and then he says, meet out with me later, and then they do. And um, uh, Udo, Udo Kier, I think is his name, um, he's... He's an actor that I like a lot. He shows up in a lot of uh, like side roles. Like he's in American Animals this year, but only for like one scene. Um, and he was in uh, Downsizing, I think, um, but not for very long. Uh, he he does that a lot, and he was on Lost. Um, and uh, he shows up here in a, again a very small role. First, he picks up um, Mike uh, on the side of the road, and then later they they meet up with him in um 
don't remember where they were. I feel like they were like in a casino when they met up with him at the hotel, like later in the movie when they end up having <laughs> the three way with him. Um, and then the weird like uh, <laughs> frozen um, sex scene where like it's them standing in these weird positions with pinching each other's nipples and things like that. It's um, it's crazy. You know, one thing I didn't get um, from like listening, I didn't understand what Scotty's dad was. Uh, he's so the mayor. He is the mayor. I didn't catch that um, in the beginning oh. of the film. I, I thought he was like prominent and like successful, but I didn't understand how so. He's the mayor of Portland, though. Um, which is why later, uh, when there is a raid on the hotel where all the homeless people are living, um, the cops see Scotty and they, they know he's the mayor's son. And they're oh, just I thought like, they were there looking for him. See, I thought they were looking for Bob, the the big guy. Oh, see, I thought that, because his dad was like, and bring my son to me, because I, I don't know, I thought uh, that. I, I think there was, I think they were looking for Bob, but also good chance that he's there, because we're told that Bob and, and Scotty had a relationship, like not necessarily a sexual relationship, but some kind of connection where he was like a mentor. Um, and based on the Henry, the fourth stuff that I read in relation to this, that is the the relationship. He was like a, um, a secondary father to him. Like he's the rebellious role model where his dad is the prim and proper. Um, but yeah, uh, I definitely, I felt like the mayor thing kind of didn't, it went over my head somehow, I guess, I, get, I don't know, but I did realize it partway through the movie, but not, not early on. Um, yeah, they, let's talk, I guess, about the ending, Corey. What, um, you, you noted that there isn't closure. <laughs> no, um, well, first, Scotty and this girl... Uh, just leave Mike, kind of. He Well, he gives him enough money where he can at least go home, but... Uh, yeah, he just leaves with this girl and leaves Mike to kind of fend for himself. And then when we end up finding out that Scott has uh, inherited this money... And, okay, so did Scott inherit the money because he's 21 or because his father died or because... Or they happened simultaneously? It appears simultaneously because... We were told at one point that he was going to get his inheritance at 21. Mm-hmm. And Which, that... If he's such a degenerate, you know what I mean? And he's such a disappointment, I'm surprised that his dad is leaving. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there was some, uh... There was a moment where he hugs his dad, where his dad seems to be... Debating whether or not he can trust his son. And, and he kind of says, trust me, dad, I will be the person you want me to be, just not yet. I'm not ready to be that person right now, but I will be when it, when the time it comes, I will be exactly what you want me to be. And everyone will be surprised at how great I am. I actually, I, I like Keanu a lot in this movie. I think he, one of the, the things I read about uh, Henry the fourth said that he mumbles. I, I didn't feel like he mumbled anything that wasn't well thought out. Like I, I thought he'd give one of his better performances. He, he gets to be over the top a few times, which I thought he did a good job with. Um, for the most part and river phoenix is very um subtle with his performance i i liked him a lot too uh i don't know i haven't seen any of his other stuff well now as an adult i've not seen any of his other stuff so i don't know how this compares if this is a good performance for him or if it's a bad performance um there was a few times where i felt like he he seemed checked out but i kind of thought that was the character um that the character is kind of checked out of everything he's 
he's distant and um the the dad his dad uh yes was, was that also his brother or was he just saying it was that's his brother? what i was like i was gonna ask you about that because yeah because he definitely uh, said it was his brother Mm-hmm. but then his brother is trying to tell him about his real dad and then he's like well i know it's been you i've always known or something yeah and so and that I mean, the I... mom like abandoned them so yeah I don't know. that doesn't mean that that's what happened but you know what i mean yeah correct he might have just the guy might have said i'm your brother because he didn't want him to know he was his father you know what i mean like i don't know what we're supposed to take from that um well but he they showed the picture of like the mom and i thought it was the brother and the brother was young yeah i don't know that whole that whole thing seemed kind of like a fever dream um which i mean you could argue that this movie is like it is all a dream because so much of it is erratic and like even the first time we see him on the road mm-hmm. i don't know when that is Mm-mm. because he's wearing um like a mechanic shirt right yeah. and it has the name bob on it that's right so i don't i mean it's implied that he's he's dealt with bob before we meet bob but at the same time like is it a coincidence is that supposed to be that bob shirt I, you know i don't know when in the timeline that first scene of him on the road is because i think we see him on the road three times or four times in the movie um and that i'm guessing is his own private idaho that's his spot where he keeps ending up um and uh so like there's some things about this movie and it, it, he's narcoleptic which we see play out multiple times where he passes out or whatever but could a lot of it be a fever dream is that why it turns into a shakespearean play at some point you know the whole robbery sequence where they're in the pink robes is like what the hell is happening how did bob and those guys not know who the heck that was right could they possibly not know they're pretty much wearing the same thing that you're wearing just a different color too well and they even noted that they vanished because it wasn't like there was a bunch of people like there was six of them (laughs) two of them went missing and they're just like oh the cowards ran away but it's like yeah but then you got mugged by two people what the hell yeah it's such a weird scene i don't know how that plays that is a scene from henry the fourth apparently so i don't know how exact it was but um there is some type of robbery sequence like that in henry the fourth maybe there's more guys there maybe the disguises are less weird i don't know um yeah that whole sequence was weird uh and i i didn't think it was particularly shot well either uh there's some other stuff though where the movie's shows van sant uh his ability but there's other moments where it's like ah that's not the best um but it's definitely a lower budget movie it feels like a lower budget movie a lot of little art house stuff in it i think it was 2.5 million really that doesn't feel like a low budget for 91 no no No. is that what it made that doesn't that no it made i think that it said on wikipedia uh six point something i think 6.25 or something million the opening weekend well i mean keanu already done bill and ted so he's a big enough name where he would have been a big paycheck um not a huge paycheck but a a decent size paycheck river phoenix was uh, i imagine at that time was making pretty decent buck because this is like middle of his career um but yeah i you know i overall liked it but the very ending 
we see him asleep on the road again. Uh, this time he gets robbed. Someone p- stops their truck, gets out, seals his shoes and his bag. Yeah, um, and leave him sleeping. Then we zoom in out. Road. In the middle of the road. We uh, we zoom out to a wide shot. And I really like this shot, mind you. But um, another vehicle pulls up and they put him in the in the vehicle. Now, I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be his brother slash father or, or just a random person. Um, but uh, that's all we get. We don't know what happens to him. Is he being rescued there? Is he being kidnapped? Is he being you know, murdered? Um, you're just kind of left not knowing what's well, the next phase for Mike. Too. So, like, you know what I mean? I feel like <sighs> those people are marginalized. I don't know. Like, yeah, no, important. that's you're right. Actually, that might be the message the movie's trying to put out there is like, you know, he's left. Scott, Scott's abandoned him. Scott's abandoned uh, everybody. He abandons Bob. And I, I love that scene when Bob goes asking for money and he just says, I do not know you. And basically tells him to get lost. And just Bob, Bob's so heartbroken that he dies. Um, it's pretty crazy uh, and intense even. But um, yeah, I you know, there's a lot in this film. I think another watch is almost needed to really grasp all the little things. Because I think there's a lot left for interpretation. I would love to watch a version of Henry IV. Um, and then watch this again too to like make just those comparisons. Just notes. <laughs> Well, that's why I said watch. I don't want to read it. Um, I said cliff notes. I'm not even watching it. Yeah, but I feel like watching still faster than reading cliff notes. So, um, but yeah, um, I don't know if there's a good version of Henry the Fourth. Now I'm going to check that out. But uh, that is, I think, all I have to say about this movie. Is there anything you want to add? Mm-mm. All right. Um, I think. Uh, my review, my rating for this film, I'm going to go with Not Quite Golden. Um, I think that feels appropriate. I, I don't think it's a must-see, um, b- partly because I don't feel like... I, I am very heavy story, and I don't think this story is particularly outstanding or amazing. Um, the character work is good. I don't think it's the best. Um, I think there's some really cool visuals here. I definitely think there's a lot of good things in this movie. But not enough for me to say must see. So I'm going with the not quite golden pony boy. I need to make my own ratings. Or you know, just no, because I'm always like a three point five. Yeah, let's see. I I just then pick. Um, where do you feel like it leans the most? Is it more decent watch or is it more not quite golden? Eh, I'll go with not quite golden pony boy. I would watch it again. Okay, well, there you go. Um, our next episode of the podcast, uh, Corey has picked the movie. Do you remember what you picked, Corey? Because I'm not looking at it yet, but I'm working on it. That's a silent answer. So uh, it looks like um, a single man is what you have on our list. Yes. I'm not familiar with this movie, a single man. I missed uh, it in the theaters. I think it only came to the flicks, maybe. All right. Well, we got uh, Colin Firth, I'm a fan of. Um, Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. Matthew Good or Matthew Goody. Oh, Nicholas Hout or Holt, excuse me. Um, I like him quite a lot. I don't know that guy. I don't know how to say his name either. I'm not going to try. Um, oh, Jennifer Goodwin, I'm familiar with. Uh, <gasps> She's in Big Love. And she was on um, the Disney princess type show. She was Snow White, but I can't think of what that show is called. Once Upon a Time? That's what it's called. No. Oh, it's a Tom Ford movie. Um, he did Nocturnal Animals, which I'm a big fan of. 
and he did one of the worst uh oh no he's costume department never mind um is this his only other directing yes it is okay cool i've seen his other directed film i did not know he had another one um an english professor one year after the sudden death of his boyfriend is unable to cope with his typical days in 1960s los angeles Ooh, man okay um time piece a period piece and this is based on a novel by christopher isherwood and I am I'm intrigued. I I don't I've seen the cover of this, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what it was. I've never uh, looked into this movie whatsoever. I'm I'm excited now. Good good pull, Corey. Um, let's see if we can find out if it's on any uh, streaming services. But um, we'll be back with next week's episode to review this film, and I'm going to try to tell our listeners where they can watch it. But in the meantime, let's go with our social media. Corey, how can people follow you? At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Burke Reviews. Um, that's B E R K Reviews with an S at the end. Um, a single man is available. Uh, oh, not easily um, whatsoever. No. Uh, it is. It looks like it's on Fandango now and microsoft to rent and that's it it's not showing for itunes or anything oh dang um that is not a good sign uh it is available on amazon uh physical media um you can order it for uh well 11 bucks uh not on prime so one of our more complicated films hopefully it's going to be easier to find than it looks um but if you have access to a single man we say check it out um it looks like we didn't do any pre-research to make sure this is going to be something we can oh, actually watch. I'm sorry, I just was like, ooh, I've been wanting to see this. Um, what we'll do is a backup. If for some reason uh, we're unable to see this movie, what will we? for five dollars. Where? Blu-ray on mm-hmm. Amazon. Oh, well, it does not look like that's still the case. Um, what? Yeah, because I just looked and it's like it. Oh, should... it's used. I'm sorry. Oh, used isn't bad. Usually... Um, no, I usually it on my phone so ah well no i don't mind buying it used i buy used movies all the time it's oh it's uh it's there 8.99 on dvd and then yeah the dvd's prime so i'll probably do that so um yeah we'll be we'll watch this we'll just have to finagle this a little more than we usually do but a single man um is what we're gonna be watching and reviewing for our next episode uh i'm excited about it uh, we've got one more after that for this month, and then we'll be moving on to our our next um, our next sub our next topic. Man, my brain went kaput there for a second. It's been a long week, folks. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do, please uh, like and share us um, and rate us on whatever platform you're using. iTunes is the the most important there. Um, you know, let people know that you like us. Uh, tell people about the podcast and help us in any way that you can. You can read all of my reviews at BurkeReviews.com. And uh, until next time, Corey, thank you. Thank you. And everybody out there, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>